Hey everyone, this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, and I'm now on lorazepam and Lexapro. Wish I was kidding, but I'll try not to uh, go off on a medical digression. I'm Phil Albertelli, by the way, and it's Sunday, April 24th, as I'm recording this. So a quick correction or clarification in the last episode, the one before the uh, before last week's Easter replay, I was talking about the Founding Fathers and how a number of them, like Jefferson, were deists. And very quickly in passing, I suggest that Thomas Paine was an atheist. It is true that he was very critical of religion, especially or specifically Christianity, and was often accused of being an atheist, but technically I believe he was actually a deist too. I went in and edited that correction into the audio-only and YouTube versions of the show, but just in case I figured I'd mention it, mention it at the top of this episode as well. I'm trying to remember if the late, great Christopher Hitchens, who I believe was very fond of Thomas Paine, may have suggested that he may have been an atheist. I know Hitchens used to make the point regarding the deism of the founders that in a sense, prior to Darwin, deism was probably as close to atheism as you might expect a reasonable person to get. But had they known about evolution and natural selection, in theory, that may have been enough to make them atheists or shift their position from deism to atheism. But who knows? Years ago, I did that special I entitled The Founding Fathers on Religion in their own words. I read a number of Thomas Paine quotes in that, but I can't remember if I claim he was an atheist or not. I may have to go back and give that another listen. I was also recently reading that apparently President Teddy Roosevelt once referred to Thomas Paine as a quote-unquote filthy little atheist. An interesting little factoid, but onto the news stories. So there was one story that caught my attention earlier last week, but the more I thought about it, the more of a quote-unquote nothing burger it kind of seemed like. Do people still say that, nothing burger? Uh, anyway, I'll still touch on it. Um, it involves Madison Cawthorn, someone who I don't think I've mentioned on the show before, but who I've always found kind of interesting. He's a young congressman from North Carolina, only 26 years old. Uh, he's also known for his tragic backstory or personal story. He was partially paralyzed in a car accident at the age of 18. Apparently, his friend who had been driving fell asleep at the wheel while they were returning from spring break. He's a very right-leaning guy, very conservative, pro-Trump, so I'm not down with his politics, as you can imagine, but I'm still trying to tread carefully and be somewhat respectful, lest I seem like I'm goofing too hard on a guy in a wheelchair. Is that concern itself ableist? Can't win. But I first heard about this story via David Pakman well over a week ago. Apparently, Madison Cawthorn was at a Trump rally, and, you know, he's trying to get the crowd pumped. He's giving this speech about how anything is possible, which kind of crescendos with what some have compared to a kind of, you know, faith-healing gimmick. Uh, these assistants come to his aid, and at least in the clip I saw via Pakman, it almost looks like what's going on is strategically blocked by the podium, almost like a magician's trick. You can tell they're fitting him with uh, some kind of braces, etc. And uh, he briefly manages to stand with their assistance. 
And the reason why I kind of lost interest in the story or reconsidered even covering it is because I really don't know what to make of it. Is this something he's been sincerely working at, trying to strengthen or heal his broken or injured body, or was it just a cynical stunt? I don't know. But he is an interesting figure, almost like something of central casting. Uh, whatever you think about him, definitely a handsome young guy. He has these kind of all-American, almost Tom Brady-esque good looks. That combined with the name Madison Cawthorn, which makes him sound like the scion of some old powerful family that goes back to the founders or something. I could almost see him being uh, like a bad guy or antagonist in a Jordan Peele movie. You and your urban friends have been invited to the old Cawthorn estate. <laughs> Turns into the most dangerous game, hunting people in a wheelchair with a shotgun. I know I shouldn't be making uh, wheelchair jokes. Uh, but then... I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention it. Over the past couple of days, another story broke involving Madison Cawthorn. Uh, did I just say that funny? Cawthorn. Okay. But pictures have surfaced of him partying with, uh, looks like in a club with, with some girls. And he's wearing women's lingerie or underwear. Uh, looks like he's wearing a bra. At first, people were adding the disclaimer or caveat that the images hadn't been verified as being actual, you know, undoctored photographs or whatever. But Cawthorn himself came out and confirmed the photos were real. And the way he responded was, he said, I guess the left thinks goofy vacation photos during a game on a cruise taken way before I ran for Congress is going to somehow hurt me. They're running out of things to throw at me. Share your most embarrassing vacay pics in the replies. And I believe others had said that he is, he does appear to be wheelchair bound in the photos. So apparently, um, doesn't, take, you know, much of a detective, the the events pictured must have taken place somewhere, you know, after his accident, but before his run for Congress. And he appears to be enjoying himself in the photos. I'll say that he has almost kind of a glazed look. It kind of reminds me, I speak from experience, of maybe the look on someone's face after they've been out all night uh, drinking and uh, doing ecstasy or something. Uh, not going to fault him for that. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of people who are drawing attention to this online aren't, you know, like myself, aren't upset that he's out partying wearing women's clothes. Who cares, you know? I think it's the hypocrisy people have an issue with because, once again, he's very conservative. He's come out and, um, you know, made uh, very conservative statements uh, regarding gender issues and that kind of thing and uh, and complaining that men nowadays are, are becoming soft and everything. And then, you know, Harry is uh, wearing a bra. Um, so, yeah, I don't think people on the left, like myself, don't have a problem with him partying in a bra or whatever. It's, it's the apparent uh, hypocrisy or whatever. 
But at the end of the day, I don't think it's really a big story either way. I wouldn't care if you went out and did it every weekend. Uh, but okay, on to the next story. And I found this one really interesting in a quirky sort of way. It would have made for a good Easter topic, but I was running behind with the show and ended up just releasing that holiday replay of that mini documentary episode I did years ago on the history of Easter. But here's the story. There's claims that a Russian warship that was downed uh, a little before Easter may have been carrying a fragment of the so-called True Cross. And if you're not familiar, the term True Cross refers to the supposed historic cross on which Christ was crucified. As I've said before, I'm agnostic on the historicity of Jesus. I have no problem believing that there very well may have been a historical figure, Jesus of Nazareth. But as a skeptic and agnostic atheist, I doubt the miraculous bits. Uh, but if Jesus did exist and he was indeed crucified, I guess it's not entirely implausible that his followers may have perhaps preserved part of the cross or something. But then you have to ask, is that realistic? Would they even have had, you know, any interest in preserving the apparatus on which their master was tortured? I don't know. And I mean that. I'm open to being convinced either way. And then according to tradition, supposedly the Empress Helena or Helena, the mother of the Roman Emperor Constantine, went to the Holy Land in the 4th century, establishing churches and relief agencies for the poor, etc. And as the story goes, also discovering certain relics along the way, including supposedly not just one cross, but all three. The one Christ was crucified upon, complete with the titulus, and then also those of the two thieves crucified alongside him. Now, call me a skeptic, which I am, but this kind of stretches credulity. Uh, imagine Jesus has just been crucified and someone's like, let's take this big cross as a keepsake and grab those two other ones too. Um, but then supposedly fragments of the true cross were broken up and widely dispersed. And here's a quote from Cyril of Jerusalem, a bishop and theologian from the 4th century, and it's regarding how widespread uh, supposedly the fragments of the true cross had become. The whole earth is full of the relics of the cross of Christ. The holy wood of the cross bears witness, seen among us to this day, and from this place now almost filling the whole world, by means of those who in faith take portions from it. But who knows, you know, I think you also have to take into consideration the fact that relics were kind of a dime a dozen, especially later in the Middle Ages, where forged relics were not uncommon at all. Um, but let's read from the story here, and it's from Business Insider. And yeah, so it's dated April 15th, and it's by Mia Jankowitz. Russian warship sunk in Ukraine may have been, or sunk in Ukraine war, may have been carrying a piece of the true cross, a treasured Christian relic. The Russian warship that was confirmed as sunk on Thursday may have been carrying a holy relic when it went down. The Moskva, a missile cruiser that was the flagship of Russia's Black Sea Fleet, sank on Thursday following an explosion on board, Russian state media reported. A news report from 2020 has given rise to the question of whether the vessel sank with a Christian relic, a piece of the quote-unquote true cross on board. 
The Russian Orthodox Church announced in February 2020 that the relic had been delivered to the then commander of the Black Sea Fleet, Vice Admiral Igor Osipov, and was at the fleet's headquarters, ready to deliver it to the ship shortly. The relic in question is a fragment of wood just millimeters large that, according to believers, is a piece of the cross on which Christ was crucified, Tass said. That fragment is embedded in a 19th century metal cross, which is itself kept in a reliquary, according to the outlet. Who the heck is Tass? Anyway, the Moskva had a chapel on board where sailors could pray. Okay, I see. Tass is the name of the state-run news agency. Where was I? The Moskva had a chapel on board where sailors could pray. Sergei Kalyuda, I think it is, archpriest of the Russian Orthodox Church's Sevastopol district, told Tass. He said the fragment was to be transferred at the request of its owner, an anonymous collector. Insider was unable to establish when the relic was finally transferred to the Moskva, or if it was on board at the time of the vessel's sinking. The Russian embassy in London did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Moscow has ignored claims of responsibility from Ukraine, which says it struck the ship with a long-range missile from land. The exact details of how the ship sunk are still unclear. Russian officials said on Thursday that a fire caused an explosion of the ammunition on board, prompting an evacuation of the crew. And I'm sure some of you will be familiar with this part of the story. The Moskva attracted headlines at the outbreak of the war for an exchange with Ukrainian border guards on Zvimnia. There's no way I'm going to be able to pronounce that. It looks like a name from a fantasy book or Star Trek. Not to disparage the fine Ukrainian language, if that is Ukrainian. Or, uh, why didn't they just say this before? Snake Island, which sounds like something from He-Man. As the ship asked them to evacuate, the resulting conversation in which the guards told the ship's crew to go F yourself went viral and became a rallying cry for Ukraine's war effort. And I know this is really dark, but I was just thinking if uh, a portion of the true cross really was on the ship, didn't keep it from being destroyed and the relic itself has probably either been blown up or is at the bottom of the sea now. But hey, I'm a skeptic, didn't expect any miracles anyway, I guess. But as someone who's interested in history and religion, I, you know, found it to be an interesting story, nevertheless. Okay, so I'll do one more, and this one's a bit of a downer, but I thought it was still an important story. It's about a Nigerian man who was sentenced to decades behind bars for quote-unquote blasphemy. Okay, and so this is from Hemet Maida's page or blog at Only Sky, and I think I may have mentioned this on the show already, but Hemet Maida left Patheos, and he moved to this, um, this new site called Only Sky. And uh, it's also, well, I think Patheos was, you know, kind of ran the spiritual gambit. Only Sky, I think, is specifically secular. And um, I think that's implied by the name Only Sky, as in, you know, above, no heaven. Um, and it's entitled, Nigerian Court Sentences Mubarak Bala to 24 Years in Prison for Quote-Unquote Blasphemy. After two years of detaining Mubarak Bala, the Kano State High Court decided to lock him up for decades. 
A Nigerian man who was accused of blasphemy in April of 2020 has been sentenced to 24 years in jail for allegedly insulting Islam, something that deserves no punishment whatsoever. The 37-year-old Mubarak Bala could spend the prime years of his life behind bars. And so this is obviously, at least in part, an opinion piece, but I agree with, uh, with Hemant Mehta's sentiments. Bala was the president of the Humanist Association of Nigeria when he was first arrested for posting criticism of Islam on his Facebook page. It wasn't the first time he was punished for nothing. In 2014, his own family placed him in a mental hospital for the quote-unquote crime of being an atheist. While he was eventually released, it didn't stop the threats on his life. He wouldn't even allow a videographer or photographer from the Associated Press to come to his makeshift home because he feared what could happen to him if anyone found out where he was located. But then in 2020, just as things seemed to die down, Bala was arrested again. This time, a group of lawyers claimed Bala had in quotes here, been writing stuffs on his Facebook page that are provocative and annoying to the Muslims. Specifically, they said he insulted Allah, and that would, in quotes again, incite Muslims and provoke them to take law, the law into their own hands. The lawyers were essentially blaming Bala for what reactionary extremists would do as a result of his criticisms. It had all the vibes of blaming an assault victim for what a predator did. All of this was taking place in Nigeria, by the way, a nation whose constitution supposedly guarantees freedom of religion and expression. However, that petition was filed in Kano State, one of 36 states in Nigeria, and one of 12 states that are allowed to operate a parallel legal system that permits Sharia law. Why Kano State? That wasn't obvious since Bala wasn't there when he made the statements on Facebook. It appeared to be a ploy to make sure he got the harshest possible punishment. Ironically, the lawyers said the punishment for what Bala was being accused of was imprisonment for up to two years and or a fine. But if he was found guilty in Kano State, then his alleged blasphemy could be punishable by death. For a long while, it was unclear if Bala had access to a lawyer. It was also unclear what he had been charged with. Hell, it was even unclear if he was alive. When his lawyers finally got in front of the Kano State High Court last August, we learned that he had been formally charged with 10 counts of causing a public disturbance because those Facebook posts were deemed quote-unquote blasphemous. While Bala had initially claimed innocence, he later changed his plea to guilty in an effort to seek closure and perhaps receive a lighter sentence. Yesterday, he finally got that quote-unquote lenient sentence. He won't be executed, but he may spend the bulk of his future behind bars. The court issued a 24-year prison sentence, including the time served so far. It's a clear-cut case of religious lunacy taken to extremes. And then here's a statement from Dr. Leo Igwe, I hope, hopefully I'm not butchering that, the founder of the Nigerian Humanist Association. The humanist community in Nigeria is utterly shocked by the sentencing of Mubarak Bala for blasphemy. It is utterly disgraceful that a court in the 21st century could convict an individual for making innocuous posts on Facebook. Today is a sad day for humanism, human rights, and freedom in Nigeria. The sentencing of Mubarak Bala is a stark violation of the rights to freedom of expression and freedom of religion or belief. We urge the authorities in Nigeria 
to ensure that this judicial charade does not stand. So there it is. I just thought I'd bring that story to everyone's attention. And uh, it's one of those stories that's, you know, just outrages you and you wonder what you can do. And, and I don't know what you can do. If you're one of those people that is, you know, active on social media, maybe there's petitions or, uh, you know, tweeting at the right people or what. I don't know if it'll, how effective it will be, but maybe just using social media to try to put pressure on the Nigerian government for whatever the heck that's worth, you know, just to try to do something. But yeah, horrible story. But on that note, I'm going to call this episode a wrap. As always, thank you everyone for listening. You guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter, even though I'm not on there much. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash theweekendout and help the show out for as little as 99 cents a month. And I would definitely appreciate it because... Uh, I'm probably, I'm in the worst debt I've ever been in my life. Just crazy astronomical dental bills, vet bills, other debt. It's just crazy. I don't want anyone to, you know, give me money they can't afford to, to part with. But if you've, if you've got the money to do it and you've considered being a supporter, um, I would obviously, uh, I would welcome it. I would welcome the support. All right. Don't want to do Go, don't want to go too far with the e-begging. But all right, brothers and sisters, until next time. Mm -hmm.